welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who will be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. Tonight's speakeasy chat is brought to you by David Stever's Raven Rain, book three in the Johnny De La Rosa thriller series. A hard-charging, hard-boiled detective who enjoys beautiful women and top-shelf bourbon, Johnny De La Rosa's past collides with his future when hired to stop a blackmail scheme against a local celebrity, former pro football star turned car dealer Stan Shelton. He's pressed into a fourth and long, with the clock running out, as his journey to find the truth and clear his client spirals into an abyss of deceit and death. Noir for the 21st century. Raven Rain, now available on audio, narrated by Bill Lord. And now, come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. My guest tonight is the founder of one of the most popular, if not the most popular, Facebook groups that's dedicated to romance audiobooks. Lydia Rella, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Uh, thank you for having me. I am so glad you could make it. Uh, as you, of all people know, romance is huge in audiobooks, and I have had several romance-related episodes. I'm very happy to have another one. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. It's, it's nice to see romance get the spotlight. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I will probably mention later in the episode that, uh, again, that I was incredibly ignorant about romance in general, romance books, romance audiobooks, everything to do with romance when it comes to literature, audiobooks, whatever. And uh, I am so glad that I got educated. Um, so we can delve into that later. But in any case, thanks for coming in. This is a speakeasy. So Lydia, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking coffee with eggnog in it. Not, oh, not, no. your, not your grandma's eggnog, but nice and alcoholic kind of <laughs> I have never heard of mixing uh eggnog and coffee is that a is that a common thing I'm not a big eggnog drinker so is that a common I don't know thing? if it's a common thing but it's a common habit for me now for some reason for the last few years Kirkland uh, you know Costco has this huge bottle of awesome eggnog for I think it's 9.99 every year and it's excellent in coffee it's just great like you don't have to add any other creamer it's sweet but it's it's a nice, healthy kick to it. <laughs> Good mix. That's fantastic. I will definitely ask some of my other uh, dairy eggnog type drinking friends uh, if if they do that regularly. Uh, since I'm not much of an eggnog drinker and I'm not really a coffee drink, well, not at all a coffee drinker either, that would not be high on my list of things to try. <laughs> but uh, I do know people who love eggnog. In fact, a recent episode of... Um, of the modern bar cart podcast uh he talked to somebody who knew everything about eggnog um all the different ways to make it what works and what doesn't how you should make it what you shouldn't do all things about eggnog and it was really fascinating I, even though i don't really drink it i uh, it is one of those things where i love finding out there's like this whole subculture of people who really uh take on to something that's, that's kind of what social media is isn't it <laughs> Finding out yeah. all the subcultures you never knew about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some you wish you hadn't found out about. So um, yeah. <laughs> in, in any case, uh, it, it sounds delicious for somebody who likes both coffee and eggnog. Uh, I'm also kind of going with a holiday theme tonight. Uh, I'm having a glass of homemade spiced rum. Uh, found a recipe for this. I, I bought some Captain Morgan a couple of months ago to try a recipe and it was fine. It's kind of a, it's what everybody knows in the way of spiced rum. And uh, I thought, I don't know, it doesn't, I mean, I like good rum. And so I don't really think this is all that great in terms of the rum and it's not really as spicy as I thought it would be. So I found a recipe online on, uh, how to, how to make your own spiced rum, dump in some allspice berries, a cardamom pods, some cinnamon, some orange peels. And I thought, I'm just going to try it. I mean, worst case, I hate it. And I throw out the bottle of rum after I try it. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> it was, I, did a, I did a taste test side by side with the Captain Morgan. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to buy this again. I'll just take the time to make my own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Start out with a good rum, uh, put the spices in. A couple of days later, you've got the best holiday drink ever. So I'm just having it with a bulldog-shaped ice cube. And that's it. Uh, my wife loves it in a in a hot toddy instead of whiskey, and uh, brings all the right spices into it. Kind of opens up the sinuses a little. Good stuff. So, uh, so anyway, kind of a holiday theme here: eggnog and coffee. 
and uh, and spiced rum. So uh, so thanks for coming in. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I mean, me, not us. <laughs> is that the royal us? Not that kind of podcast, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on uh, who's <laughs> So, uh, so Lydia, I believe, if I remember correctly, you were in Southern California, my old stomping grounds. Yes, I live in uh, Simi Valley, which is a suburb about uh, 45 minutes north of Los Angeles, yeah. which, which to Southern California is still Los Angeles, because it Los is. Angeles is basically everything below, I don't know. Santa Maria, maybe. Baker Field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get up to the valley too often. I uh, I grew up in Whittier, way down in the, the southeast corner of uh, L.A. County. Well, not completely south. Anyway, uh, grew up down there. We didn't get up to the valley too often, but uh, but I, I am familiar with the Southland sort of in general. Uh, are Did you grow up there? Is that where you're from? Um, I actually, I was born in California and uh, my father was in the Air Force. So we were transferred to Barksdale Air Force Base in northwestern Louisiana outside of uh, Shreveport. So I grew oh, sure. up there from, from about the age of three to 13. And then uh, my parents got divorced and my mom brought us back here. So well, that's kind of a that's kind of a long stint at one base, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was 10 years there and and. Uh, if my parents would stay together, we probably would still be there. I mean, it was it was a nice place to grow up, um, but I like California too. I'm just not used to. Uh, I miss not having uh, large properties. You oh, know, here, yeah. here I have a we have a ten thousand square foot lot, and that's like huge California yeah. for the most part. You know, so whereas our old, you know, we lived in the south, we lived on three quarters of an acre, so it's a different mindset, you know, it, but. it is. Yeah. I, uh, I got a property up in the, uh, Santa Cruz mountains, which is Northern California, which in general is a very expensive place, but, or the Bay area is very expensive, but the Santa Cruz mountains, a couple of communities up there in the woods and the rainforest, uh, a lot cheaper. And I was able to get a place that I think was a third of an acre, which, you know, in the Bay area, depending on where you're at, a third of an acre, it can cost you $2 million. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I did like having a little extra space. Uh, I, I totally understand that. I've got a friend who, uh, who lived in Shreveport, uh, and her husband was in the air force. So I, uh, when you said Barksdale, it sounded familiar. And I thought, yeah, well, I know that name. Yeah. Bossier city is, is where the air force base actually is, which is, you know, Shreveport's the large city, Bossier city's the, the, it's a, a lot smaller. And then we lived actually in Ben, Louisiana, which was only like 2,500 people and still mm, is <laughs> small town. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those towns don't get any bigger. Um, well, well, that's cool. So you came back to, uh, to Southern California and, uh, did you go to school someplace? Do, do some, uh, something specific? No, I, I actually just did everything in general ed and, and, um, started college and just ended up getting married instead. And, um, I've been working for an aerospace company for 30 years in April. Oh, wow. That's a long career. Yeah, Who are you working that's for? That's a long time. And it was just a temp job, but it's just one of those things where, you know, where a temp job turns into a career. Sure. Yeah. Who who are you working for? I work for a really small aerospace company called Standard Aeroparts. We're a aircraft fastener distributor. Hmm. Yeah. Not familiar with them. I, I worked for a Jepson data plan for a while, which was, uh, I wouldn't say that's aerospace. I don't even know what industry they call themselves, but they do flight plans. Uh, and so I got to know a few of the companies, but uh, not too many. So yeah, that's it somehow became the family business, I guess, because my dad was in the Air Force and he was a B-52 bomber um, hydraulics expert and teacher. So he was in aerospace in that route. And then my mom uh, started working for um, the railroad as a uh, designer as a as initially as a draft what they call a draftsman then now they don't call it that um but when she retired she retired from a uh, Boeing Pratt and Whitney as a designer for um the space shuttle for the packaging when they moved the parts from location to location she did three-dimensional uh drawing wow so, so keep an aerospace in the family and, yeah <laughs> that's that's great 30 years that's fantastic so you started, tell me a little bit about, uh, about oral fixation. Uh, one of, like I said, if not the most popular Facebook groups, uh, dedicated to romance, romance audiobooks specifically, that's, it's been around for quite some time now. And, um, I was, like I said, amazed when I learned more and more about the, uh, the romance part of the audiobook industry. And of course I joined oral fixation. I thought, 
holy cow, there's like 10,000 people here. Uh, I, actually, I don't yeah. think it was quite that big at the time, but, um, but it's huge. So, so what got you into that? Maybe, maybe back up a little from that. Were you big into romance reading when you were younger? Were you big into reading when you were younger? Um, I wasn't a reading when I was younger. Um, my mom, uh, taught me how to read when I was three. So three, four, I was already reading. Nice. Um, so when I started kindergarten, I was already reading at a fourth grade level. The only downside to that is I read very quickly and I don't always absorb it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been a, a really, I've, I was always a voracious reader. I would say until my kids were born and then it's, you know, that kind of derails most habits for the most part. I was going to say that derails a lot of things. Yeah. (laughs) Most uh, activities that you do for leisure suddenly don't, you know, they fall to the wayside. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I I read some romance. I would say most of the time, I would say my introduction to romance, this is going to sound totally weird, but if I'd be surprised if there are people that don't identify with this, my mom would leave her romance novels in the bathroom. And she'd leave them like at her marked place on, you know, on a shelf or wherever. And it was just like, oh, I'm 10, 11 years old. Oh, look, what's this? And and it was like, holy moly. (laughs) 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 You read these, you know, what they now call Regency romances. And um, and then I started reading them on my own later. I would say more of the Harlequin type. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of veered off into all different genres, not really romance. It was kind of all over the place. but kind of came back to romance, I would say through like the Janet Ivanovich books, my mom would always get those and, and I, they would always come out maybe once a year. So it was kind of like, that was like, I read one a year. It wasn't really Mm -hmm. a lot of reading just because I had kids and just too much else going on. Um, Yeah. I, I love those books. I think I read the first, geez, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 uh, Janet Ivanovich books. Yeah. The Stephanie Plum series. It's, it's a fantastic series. It's very quick, very witty. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, it's either near, I'm going to mess up the narrator. It's either Lorelai King or Tavia Gilbert, which they're both incredible narrators. So they were kind of how I dipped my toe into audio was listening to a couple of Janet Ivanovich. And then it kind of went from there, tracking over to romance, more of the romance style I listen to now. Cool. So, so how long was it after you, well, if you started reading romance when you were 10 years old, I guess it was a long time, but, um, so what was it that prompted you to say, you know what, I'm going to start a Facebook group. So all of us who enjoy romance audiobooks can get together and chat. Well, I started listening to, uh, romance. Like I said, I started Janet Ivanovich, but, uh, Janet Ivanovich, um, that style, it, it's very popular. It's very mainstream. Um, and, for the most part, I would consider it a fade to black, meaning um, there's no explicit sex scenes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started listening to that. And then the way most people listen, my experience, most people listen to romances, they become hooked on a narrator. Whereas most readers, you know, if you're Steve, if you like Stephen King, you read all Stephen King's. Well, because that's the voice in your head is always going to be the voice in your head. Mm-hmm. But once you start listening to a narrator that you enjoy their style, their presentation, their cadence, all of those those things, then it's the author becomes not unimportant, but it becomes less important. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I would start seeking out narrations by Tavia Gilbert or by Lorelai King. And then I kind of tracked over rather than staying with the same author, I would just start looking for the narrator. So I started getting into, shall we say, more explicit romance books and then started joining some of the author fan groups because a lot of the authors have their own fan groups on Facebook and that was an eye-opening situation that was just like holy moly how so uh uh, because what you'll see on people's uh public pages on my Facebook profile and on most people's Facebook profile is very uh neutral it's very just in case your grandma sees it, you don't post anything too <laughs> naughty. <laughs> right, right. And you join these private groups where all of these readers have the same experience with this author in this situation. And it was like, holy moly. It was, it was my age group of women, I would say between 30 and 60 primarily. Some obviously, you know, some men, very few, some older, some younger, but it was just like, wow, they're talking about all the things. All <laughs> the things. <laughs> they're getting down and not necessarily dirty, but they're just being, and it was, it was very much a feeling of 
freedom. It was like, you know, we're all reading the same book. You know, we're all people are watching Fifty Shades of Grey, but still, does it show up on people's timelines? Not really. Right. Not much. It's kind yeah. of like a very hush-hush thing. Well, you go into the private groups and it was like, I have found my people. This is, you know, now <laughs> we can talk the way women talk when they are in private with their girlfriends. Right. You know, no, I took I, I totally understand. I, I did some books for uh, Nicole Edwards last year and early this year, and she has a, a very, um, I don't know what the right word is. Uh, I, I don't want to say rabid because it sounds bad, but, uh, and it's not bad at all. It's that she has a huge fan, fan group. And, um, and so I joined the fan group and I thought, oh my. So I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Everybody was, <laughs> it was just like, you know, being, being honest. And I thought, this is great. You know, people can hang out and uh, talk about these things that they enjoy listening to and why they enjoy listening to them and, and post the jokes. Um, you know, a lot of things, like you said, you wouldn't want your grandmother to see that, that you were laughing at, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. So, so that was before you started oral fixation. Correct. And, and the, the problem with that was that, you know, I would say, say I'm a member of Amy Dawes, London Lovers group. Well, you know, as a matter of respect, when you're in those groups, you only really talk about that author's work mm -hmm. um, and not authors. And so in that vein, in that author's audio. Um, and I wanted a place where it kind of be like everybody could talk about all the narrators and all. And also at that time, narrators didn't have fan groups either. So. Um, when was this? How long ago was this? Uh, it'd be five years in February. So yeah, I could I could see that was when uh, audio. I mean, audio has been audiobooks have seen double digit growth for several years now. I think it's seven or eight years. Yeah. But but I I'm not surprised to hear that at that time, 2015, 2016, narrators didn't really have the fan groups that I know they do have now. Correct. Plus, plus a lot of them work under pseudonyms. So, you know, there's a lot of, some of them don't want to have a public face. So there's a lot of issues, but I wanted a place that was just, and I also, and I went searching for audiobook groups, but the problem is, is that most of the quote unquote audiobook groups were very, they were across genre mm -hmm. and romance is definitely its own large group that is very, particular you know and and we don't blend with sci-fi you know what I mean they're all it's a lot more serious I would say you know whereas you've been in our group it's a, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of laughing it's a lot of it's dirty I'm not gonna <laughs> dirty. but um but we have a good time but it's it's its own little microcosm so it really couldn't I would go into these groups and say, does anybody know of any, you know, groups that are just about romance audio? No, no. And it was kind of like, oh, not, okay, not here, not here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, romance and has stigma. I, I hate it because it's crazy because the goal of, of most humans in life is to fall in love and have sex and do have your happily ever after. That is pretty much the majority of the goal of humanity is to do that. but. Just don't do it in front of us. You know? Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. Like, like I said, I was uh, completely ignorant about the romance genre. I thought, oh, you know, that's just, that's poor quality. It's not any good. And I was so incredibly wrong. I'm, I, I looked at getting into romance as a narrator because, well, it's part of the industry and I want to make sure that I'm able to do various different things in case I need to for whoever is looking for somebody. And the more I, I dug in, the more I found out, oh, my God, for, for one thing, some of this writing is fantastic. Um, you know, in every genre, you're, you're going to have things that uh, where the writing isn't that great. But but I was just blown away. Some of this writing is great. And then I thought about it. And I thought, kind of like what you were saying, you know, the goal of humanity. I mean, it's a love story, right? Who doesn't exactly. like a good love story? I like a good love story. You know, well, not it's not exactly a love story. And that's one thing I've learned over time is that. Titanic is a love story, ah, but okay. traditional romance, one of the key requisites is that it has a happily ever after, which of course Titanic did not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, and it took me a while to get used to some of the acronyms like HEA and, uh, exactly. and things like that. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the books that I was, you know, exploring and that I was hired to narrate, uh, were, were really love stories. And it was like, wow, this is fantastic. It's like, I don't, I don't, care who these people are it's you want them to be happy 
And uh, exactly. and that was great. And the writing was great. And then I found out that the fans were great. And I thought, holy cow, this is not at all what I expected. And I was really happy to find out that I was wrong. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and it's it's true. Like you said, you'll find you'll find less than quality writing in all genres. Yep. Romance definitely seems to get the larger part of the the arrows hurled at it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's the one that becomes a joke. I've been at war services, the, oh, the romance is the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And it's right. like, hey, this is, this is a very valid, it's a very valid genre. And uh, it's what everyone wants for the most part. So yeah. um, it's just an easy target. You know, we try and remove the stigma, but that was also part of why I wanted a group was I wanted, I wanted the privacy of it where we could lock down and it doesn't show up on anyone's timeline. It does no one has to get upset, you know, if they're super religious, if there's, there's a multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so we wanted a lockdown place where everyone could just basically be who they wanted to be, be respectful of each other and talk about romance audio and, and give recommendations for narrators, for books or authors for mm -hmm. all of it. Yeah, it, it's great. I, and I'm really impressed that, with a very few exceptions, uh, everybody is respectable of everybody else. And um, there really aren't very many, you know, threads on oral fixation that end up going into a negative spiral. I mean, it's going to happen in any social media environment. But um, for the most part, everybody's cool. No, everyone's very cool. And and I think it's because we kind of started out that way where, you know, our, our, uh, not sure what your language filters are, but our, our no our, language filters at all in the speakeasy. <laughs> our, our, our main theme is don't be a dick. So, and, uh -huh. and I think because we've had so many members that we've had a core group of members in the beginning from so long that it's not just that the admins have to moderate so much and, and be heavy on people with the rules. It's kind of like, it's now become an institution that mm -hmm. if, if a thread is going the wrong way, an older member, a newer member that has just caught on to the vibe and the kind of experience we like to have will say, hey, that's probably not a good idea. You know, every now and then someone will post and say, oh, what I hated about this book. And, and you yeah. know, we kind of try and moderate that and say, you know, I don't want any posts to start turning into a bitch session. Mm -hmm. our, our theme within the admins is kind of always things die in the shade. So you can not like something, then don't talk about it. It's mm -hmm. social media. It will die in the shade, you know, yeah. plus the fact that, you know, there are narrators that, that I personally choose not to listen to. And it is someone else's jam. That is the narrator they love. And mm -hmm. you really just have to be open and say, Hey, if it makes them happy, makes them happy. Let yeah. it be. Yeah, that's, and that's true. in I would say in, in most or all genres, um, there are, you know, narrators talk about getting their one-star reviews and getting their five-star reviews. Um, somebody is going to listen to me and say, that is the most boring person I have ever heard. I will never get another audiobook narrated by him. Somebody else is going to listen to it and said, I learned a lot. This was fantastic. Great narrator. So, um, you know, uh, the, the best narrators in the industry get one-star reviews. Um, so it's, you know, that happens to everybody. Uh, I think that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a great, uh, great rule for life. It'll die in the shade. Yeah, you sometimes, I mean, especially on social media, you can't you, you can't get upset over every little thing. I mean, that's certainly one thing that we've learned over the years is you you can't you just got to let some things go. If someone doesn't care for, okay, but you know, we have we've had post approval on for a while now because we opened a, a giveaways group separate, you know, which is adjacent to oral fixation where narrators and authors can go in there and give away codes. Because mm. we got to be so busy that we couldn't handle. It was just too much uh, mm -hmm. to have giveaways along with recommendations and new releases and just opinions or jokes. You know, we're not super strict on what we allow in, but we did per turn on post approval. So that's kind of like the rules. Anybody that starts off a post with, let me tell you what I hate about this. Like, hmm, <laughs> no, yeah. I don't want to know what you hate about that. <laughs> Go tell your husband that. I don't want to know. Yeah. And I don't want it because it was when we've seen it happen over the years, you know, mm -hmm. it, it just, it's just something, it doesn't benefit anyone. No, and, and it is really easy, too, in those situations where you see something and it resonates with you, something negative, 
and it resonates with you. So you want to share, oh, well, this happened to me and I listened to that and I didn't like this thing either. And then it does turn into a bitch session and it just kind of um, spirals. I, I don't know if it's a human nature thing that people like to complain or that certain people like to complain or what it is, but every once in a while, it really does kind of get out of control easily. So, uh, so I can see how that would be a good thing to have post-approval on so that you don't, so that those don't even get started since it's not yeah, going to help anyone. And for the most part, for the most part, it's very rare that we reject many posts. Most of the mm -hmm. posts we reject are because of, you know, duplicates. Someone's already shared it, things like that. It belongs in the giveaway group. Um, for the most part, we don't decline a lot of posts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. No, you know, makes it's sense. Just, you know, we just want to have a good time. I mean, that's the whole point is that that it's, it's, it's there as an escape for everyone. It's not there to have a negative time. Sure. And, and yeah. also take into account the fact that we have a unique environment compared to most other groups where we do have listeners, narrators, and authors. Mm -hmm. So you come in there and say, I hate Andy Arndt. <laughs> Andy Arndt may be reading that. That's not nice. Right. Of course. <laughs> would, would you walk up to her in person and say, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these keyboard jockeys, sometimes they think it's okay to just, and I say Andy Art because I know her and she's amazing and she's near her hall of fame. So well, yeah, it, I, love, it, I love Andy Art. So it immediately, it immediately made me laugh when you used her name as an example. It's the perfect example because it could never be true, right? <laughs> exactly. It absolutely cannot be true. Yeah, no, I and love it. if Andy Art listens to this, she won't get a complex. <laughs> she knows I adore her. Oh, yeah. No, she knows I do, too. Um, and <laughs> Andy's fantastic. She was actually uh, my guest on episode number four way back when I started this podcast. She's uh, she's the best. So, uh, so do you still listen to a lot of uh, romance audiobooks? Yeah, I, I still listen to to a book every one to two days. Generally speaking, some some maybe re listens. I'm not going to lie. This this year, I've had a lot of re listens, which some people don't like re listening, but to me, I they're like warm blanket listens. They're, they're I ones completely that I'm agree. With. I know, completely just, agree. It not not, not just not sorry. just audiobooks, but uh, books. There are certain books that I have read, um, shit, I don't know, uh, at, at least a half a dozen times, probably more like a dozen. Um, not all that many, but there are a few. And it, and it is, it's comfortable. TV series too. I'll watch TV shows again because it's something that I remember this. I know these characters. I mean, everybody knows that I'm a huge Sopranos fan. I've watched that series I couldn't even count it on all my fingers and toes. I'm, it's just, it's just, I know these people. I can sit there and I can uh, practice an instrument and I know what's happening because I've seen it so many times. It's, I like that. Oh, a nice warm blanket, you know? Right. Some, and it's, something and, familiar. You know, this year has been so hard. You know, I think it's, it's, audiobooks are great because you can do other things, but mm -hmm. there's still a certain amount of focus you need to have. And it's, you know, I can listen to work because I'm, I'm, that's also why I listen to so many. I listen at work. I had um, AirPods. In well, my I was room. wondering about that. You said one to two, yeah. uh, one every day or two. And I thought you have to be, you have to have a job where you can listen at work then. Yeah. Well, it's nice because part, I, I deal with mostly with part numbers and it's a different language in my mm -hmm. brain. If that makes sense. I can type part numbers and still listen to a story. Whereas if I write an email, I have to usually pause my book because then it's, we're both on English. Distracting, <laughs> the yeah. in English and the book yeah. is in English. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, but, but this has been a weird year where sometimes I think everybody's just kind of been unfocused. I, I don't want to say without reason, but without a reason right in front of you, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. It's kind of like the world is very, crazy scattered and it kind of makes you off kilter so it's like i like doing the re-listen then because it's like it, it's also a guaranteed good time i know mm -hmm. if i listen to this book i'm i'm gonna be happy at the end of it because i've already listened to it 12 times and i was happy at the end every time mm -hmm. um so no, i kind of a I, good 10 to 20 books that are in my rotate probably more than 20 that are in my <laughs> rotation of make me happy and and i'm comfortable and i don't have to be laser focused in on the story and paying attention because I'm good. Yeah, no, no, that, that makes, uh, makes perfect sense. And your description about how everybody's feeling this year, I, I completely agree. And, and it's very difficult to put it into words. Um, I mean, I used 
I, I you know, uh, traffic in words. I, I'm reading words I'm all the time. And it's so difficult to really put a finger on how I've been feeling this year. Um, it's uh, just off so often yeah. without really any specific reason to feel that way. I mean, you can point to the pandemic, you can point to a lockdown, you can point to politics, whatever it is. But it's it's like more than the sum of its parts, it seems like sometimes this past year where I've just felt like, I don't know what to do or why I'm anxious. There's, yeah. there's nothing. It's an, it's an unsettled feeling. It's unsettled. Kind of, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know why. And I can't, if someone says, why do you feel that way? You can't really go, well, it's because of this one reason. It's yep. kind of like just a general unsettled. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll, I think all our admins are, have been feeling the same way. We're, we're um, coming up with our best of 2020 and, We've had a lot of struggles this year, more than we've had in previous years with coming up with a a, a solid 10 books from each of us that, that we feel are the best of 2020. It's not that we haven't listened, but I think all of us have re-listened a lot more than we ever have in the years previous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this this has been uh, one hell of a year. I'm yeah. one of the many people who's so glad it's almost over. I realize it's not going to be a like a light switch turning off I as know. soon as 2020 ends, but... Uh, boy, am I looking, am I looking forward to not being in 2020? That's for sure. Um, so, so since you've listened to so many and since you still listen to so many, well, before I ask that, let me ask you this. Um, do you listen to other genres at all anymore? I don't. That, I don't that's pretty much it now. Huh? Genres. I kind of, once I, and, and it's, it's the audiobooks as well as I really feel like it's also, um, the community. Mm-hmm. Once I veered off into the romance community, which has its ups and downs, I'm not going to lie. There's there's definitely some drama that happens in romance landia, which isn't always comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I think also the community of romance can be fantastic. Um, it, sure. It's very empowering for women in general. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, it's just it's a great world to live in. And and I you know when I first started listening, I was having some we we're having some problems in our family, and it was just it was nice to be able to be in the same room with my family, but escaping into a different world in my head where mm. it has a, hep- everything ends great, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because life's not that way. You know, it, it's definitely a fantasy. Sometimes it is, but many times it's not. So yeah, it was yeah. nice to still be physically present with my family if they needed me, but be in a world that was apart and uh, just different. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a big fan of escapism, actually. I, I think that's part of the reason why I was such a voracious reader when I was a kid, um, was I I was just uncomfortable in my own skin uh for ooh, I don't know, decades. And um so it was uh you know, it was my way of being able to be somewhere else and you know take part in some other completely different world. Uh so I'm I'm a big fan of escapism in in all kinds of art, um, film, books, whatever. Uh, so so, but at this point, you pretty much focus just on romance audiobooks. So um, I'll ask you an easy question: What makes a good romance audiobook? See, you say that, that's not I know. I'm just kidding. I'm sure that's what you meant. <laughs> you know, again, it's definitely subjective, um, and it it's a uh, I'm what I'm what I label a raccoon listener. I, I'm kind of like a, an equal opportunity listener. I listen to a lot of subgenres, um, and I'm not necessarily trope focused, which I only learned about tropes in this in this whole um, experience. Um, <laughs> you know, tropes are friends to lovers, billionaire romance, all of that. I'm not really focused on those, but I kind of listen to a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, from BDSM to male, male, to menage, to contemporary, to, um, a few historicals I have listened to, um, that I really liked. Um, so I guess what makes a romance audiobook good for me is a narrator that really dives into the material and, um, is super authentic in their performance. To me, authenticity is everything in romance narration. Um, and also a narrator being open to the content. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with with narrators, you know, face to face at different uh, meetings and signings and things like that. 
And to me, I find the more open they are to not judging what mm-hmm. happens in the book, um, I think it makes them a better narrator. I, I think I feel like if people have a reservation about romance or about gay romance or about Minaj, I feel like if they have this in, inside judgment, that it affects how they perform. Um, so I feel like the people that I know that are more uh, accepting of, of whatever happens, as long as, you know, everything is consensual, um, I think they really they really bring an authentic voice to the characters. That makes uh, perfect sense. Uh, I know that it's difficult if you're narrating something where you you can't buy into it for, for some reason, for some block that you've got. Uh, it really does affect the performance. Yeah, so because I, it, it, it's, it's something that's either, I mean, people may be against gay marriage or gay sex I guess you know mm-hmm. if they have reservations about it I I feel like it definitely influences it I know it would me personally you know it, it's so I think having an openness and not that have not having a judgment zone with, with romance in general mm-hmm. um I think if you look down on romance it's definitely going to affect the way you know if you see it as trite or or unrealistic well, that's mm-hmm. great, but Star Wars is unrealistic. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Very true. Yeah, Miser- yeah. Misery by Stephen King. That's, I mean, I guess it's possibly realistic, but you know, <laughs> fiction is fantasy for the most part. So exactly, you know, and romance is right there with it. You you know, there's certainly suspension of disbelief across almost all fiction books. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think if if you don't appreciate suspending the disbelief, then in romance then probably don't narrate romance because i I feel like listeners feel it i absolutely agree um and i mean it's it's hard enough to do it well if you're okay with the content you know it's it's hard enough to be a narrator to 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 narrate really well and to get good reviews and to have people enjoy the experience even if you're happy with the content if you're not happy with it for some reason yeah that'll absolutely creep into the performance Right. Um, so have do you ever at this point stop listening to an audiobook? You've said, okay, I'm gonna listen to this one. This one looks good. It's it's a you know romance, it's done by this narrator who I've heard of. Maybe I've heard a book or two, maybe I haven't, uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and listen to this. And you get a few chapters in or halfway in and you say, I just can't listen to this anymore. Um, it's it's very rare these days. Um, number one, I think following narrators helps because a great narrator will elevate a so-so book you know the narrator it's 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 a two-part combination it's it's a, the story is at a certain level and the narrator's a certain level and if it's a great narrator with a, you know the a narrator with a b book they're going to bring the book up um i kind of have a rule of thumb that i developed years ago um the first thing is uh i try to give it at least an hour to two hours i found that certain narrators sometimes uh, an example is I listened to a book, uh, Sparrow by LJ Shen years ago, Michael Pauly narrated it and, um, he has a Boston accent in it and I'm listening like the first half hour. I'm going, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can listen to this. And I wasn't sure about the story and, and sometimes people will just return them, you know, they'll listen to the sample or they'll listen to five minutes and, and, um, I was very on the fence for it. I want to say for the first hour to an hour and a half. So around the two hour mark, the story clicked in, his accent and everything clicked in, and it ended up being on my my best of the year, a book oh, that great. I was intentionally going to return. So, you know, that's definitely one thing is uh, whatever the length of the book is, I have to listen to a certain percentage, unless it's unless it's really over the top, like uh, another thing that makes me stop listening to a romance is um, a narrator doing the opposite gender in a caricature uh, style way. Like if a male narrator does the female voices in a very uh, falsetto voice, mm-hmm. it can be very much like the record. You know, it's like, oh no, what yeah. was that? So that type of thing, you know, stories that consent isn't it's rare that I even hear stories about that, but I know when I first started listening, consent was a huge, uh, a huge issue, um, especially because me too had become just really broken in the news. Mm -hmm. So um, 
it's one thing if someone has a say there's a rape in the book, but it's part of the story. That's one thing. But if it's used for titillation, mm-hmm. that's a that's a hard pass. But um, most of the time, there's a lot of warnings uh, with books anyway. A lot of people do reviews. And since audio generally, especially in the indie romance world, comes later, um, usually the ebook readers, you know, they'll read it first. You can see in reviews what they've said about it. So it usually gives you an idea if there's something uh, material-wise that you're not going to appreciate. Mm-hmm. That's uh, usually we know because a lot of the indie writers, they don't release at the same time. The audio doesn't release at the same time as the ebook. So there's a good four to six weeks, generally speaking, mm-hmm. um, of a gap. Yeah, uh, I know that non-consent is, uh, that's a big one that comes up when I when I ask people what they're, when I ask narrators what they're not willing to narrate, uh, that's a big one that comes up. Um, yeah, I, know that- I, I would say that is, that is, if I could ask every narrator, that is the, the primary reason for them turning down a book. Mm-hmm. It's in romance, is consent. Yeah, I I did a, a multicast that was a reverse harem with, that was, really on the on the edge of the whole consent issue um and it was uh it was a little bit uh i i kind of looked at it and thought i'm not so sure about this uh and the listeners for the most part it's gotten great reviews uh great ratings great reviews i know that there's a market for everything and that's one thing that i always try to keep in mind as a narrator there is a market for everything some of those some something that i'm not willing to narrate Tons of people want to listen to something that somebody else isn't willing to narrate. Other people are are willing to listen to. So I, I try to keep that in mind. It is a little difficult for, for some things though. Um, and I also had to, had to narrate. Well, I got to narrate a book one time that did have a rape, like you said, that was very integral to the story. And, and it was a historical uh, fiction novel where that type of thing in that culture happened. And, right. and so it was pretty difficult and yet it really was part of the story. It really made sense. And it's like, and overall, I loved the book. I thought it was a fantastic book, very well written in, in my opinion. And, uh, and so it was just one of those things that kind of like came along with the territory. Um, but in any case, uh, so not very much will make you not finish a book, even if at the end of it, you're kind of like, meh. Correct. I also, the caveat to that is I also use the library system a lot. I'm not, mm. I'm not primarily an audible listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use uh, Hoopla primarily, not primarily, most of the time I listen on Hoopla, which is great because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a free way to explore different narrators, different authors mm-hmm. um, without any, you know, and I, I cheat. I use my mom's address in LA County. So I get, <laughs> I get like 20 audiobooks a month. So that's a great way to feed your habit. And, and it's, it's a pretty, uh, simple way to kind of test drive these books without mm-hmm. having to deal with, with, without paying, you know, without using credits and things like that. Cause it can, right. you know, audible. I mean, in the beginning, when I first started listening and I did not have hoopla, I made the mistake of doing a search on my bank account for audible. And I just, oh. Let's not tell the husband because <laughs> it was about a thousand dollars for that year, and I went, yeah. "Ooh, no, it, 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 that was don't tell him." Yeah, it, it it does add up, and I know that since you know so many narrators, you understand why that's the case. You understand Definitely. the amount of work that goes into producing these on on the part of the narrator, as well as the part of the production company, if there is one. Um, you know, uh, post production, all of that stuff. I know that you understand that all of that goes into it. Definitely. I mean, it's 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 a uh, it's, it's a huge value added. And, and I would say with most new authors, that's, that's the issue that comes up one in the beginning is, oh, I can't get into audio because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, let me explain to you why it's so expensive, you know, and it, it's not just their book anymore. Yep. In my opinion, it becomes their book and the narrator's book, you know. Right. Um, and, so, and it doesn't have to be expensive if they want to do a royalty share, but then there's a whole other set of problems that come along with that in terms exactly. of who's going to be willing to narrate it, uh, whether or not the rights holder understands that once they give it over to them, it's really their creative. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of things that go into that. So there's uh, I have found as a narrator, I'm sure that you have 
taken part in this as well. There's a lot of education uh, that that goes into discussing audiobooks with with new authors or authors who are new to audio. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think it's one of those things that a lot of authors kind of get in their own space with selling ebooks and they don't feel audio is necessary. And and I'm just here saying it's necessary. Trust me, it's necessary. <laughs> you just have to to get some education. That was another great part of having authors in the group was, you know, and I'll get questions all the time. A lot of us have. And, and uh, I know a lot of authors participate in the group and they're there as lurkers primarily. They watch mm-hmm who we listen to, what we listen to, what we have to say about narrators. Mm-hmm. And it, that's part of their education. Um, you know, we've had things like when Audible Escape just uh, was canceled by Audible. That was a huge um, ruckus because mm-hmm. Audible Escape was great. I mean, I was definitely a member. Um, but understanding what goes into it and how little money that you know the rights holders were making from audible escape it's 100 understandable why they got rid of it right um right. but like i said there's always the library programs there's libby there's overdrive so yeah our, overdrive my, the same thing and hoopla and so there's really for the most part everyone pretty much has access to free audio mm-hmm. for the most part yeah there, there are um, downsides in you know how many copies the library gets and how many people have it on hold but if you learn how to how to operate using that system a great resource uh, i know that yeah. our, our library uses overdrive uh, and it, sometimes it's difficult and there's a hold on a book for six months or well uh, it's not so much a hold it's that with the number of people in line, you know that it's going to be six months to 12 months until you can rent this. But if you're not looking for something immediate, if you're just looking to build up a list of what it is that you're going to be listening to, it's a great resource. Um, Plus, I think just public libraries are great. I'm a big supporter of libraries. So, And and the, and the the whole point also is, is what most authors will say, as long as you're not listening to a pirated copy, I don't care how you get your copy. Exactly. Yeah. um, As long as you're either buying from Audible or Chirp or Apple Books or borrowing from a library service, those are all legal copies. So, you know, I feel bad for the authors having to deal with a lot of these piracy issues because Mm -hmm. it's definitely whack-a-mole. It's, it's take down, take down 10 books and when you look at the number of views or listens, it's, I can understand why they would get so disheartened with knowing I spent $3,000 to get this audiobook produced and, you know, 7,000 people have listened for free. Yeah. That's, that's rough. Yeah. You know? And, and on the royalty share projects where they didn't spend that much money up front, it's both them and the narrator. Right. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a lose, lose. It is. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. And, and it, and like you said, whack-a-mole, it's, it's difficult to, um, to get it. So, um, yeah, tough, tough situation. So, uh, where do you see romance going? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that it seems to me that in the short time that I've been in the narration game, it seems to me that there has been a major blurring of the lines between romance and erotica to the point where now it's a very blurry line. Whereas maybe six years ago when I started long before I was doing romance, but when I first started in, in audiobooks, it seems to me that I read a few things that made it sound like there was a pretty hard line in between those two genres. And now at this point, based on some of what I've narrated and some of, you know, what I, what I know of what's out there, it seems to me that that line is very blurry. Um, it, is that your experience? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I mean, the, the definition that was always given to me was that, um, in romance, the relationship moves the story forward. In erotica, the sex moves the story forward. Um, I find it hard to distinguish most of the time. I, and I think it almost kind of, I think it also got a little harder as well. Um, I didn't care for it when the Audis removed erotica as part of their awards, because um, it's a tough thing to, sell a lot in romance. I mean, I would say the top 100 in Audible, I probably haven't listened to hardly any of them because a lot of them are Nicholas Sparks and, you know, they're they're that type of romance. They're the sweet romance, which mm-hmm. I'm not knocking it at all. It's just, I would say it's more of the, the happy public 
the white bread version of romance. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's the very palatable. It's it's what people are comfortable with for the most part. Most of our group, I say, a lot of us primarily listen to indie authors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it very difficult to distinguish between erotica and romance um, because I like erotic romance. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, <laughs> I I sure, like yeah. both. I like the story. I want the dirty, dirty sex scenes too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of difficult to pick them apart. And the problem is, is that um, we'll have this happen every now and then. Um, I have three admins, uh, Jean-Vievre, Caroline, and Judy. Judy and Caroline have been with me since day one. Jean-Vievre has been with us for almost the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, Caroline handles the new releases and Audible will sometimes, uh, Audible can be an interesting mess sometimes. <laughs> Um, they'll put real names when they should have put a pseudonym, they'll put a pseudonym when they should have put a real name for a narrator. Um, and then every now and then they will put what the author, what most people want to be considered as romance into what we call the erotica dungeon, Mm. um, because it will get a stigma attached to it. Um, it's not as wide a category as romance is, Mm -hmm. you know, and of course every author wants their book to go as broad as possible. Well, if, if Audible designates it as erotica, it can be a big problem for an author mm-hmm. um, as far as sales are concerned. So I don't know anymore. I, I mean, I know I've listened to books that are erotica where it's, there's not much personal story going on. There's, you know, there's kind of the bare minimum. And I mean, not that it's not a story. It's just not it's just not an intensely complicated story between right. the, the hero and heroine or hero and hero, however it is. Um, but it, it, it's it's harder to parse out what is romance and, and what is erotica these days. I, yeah. I definitely find the line just very blurry. Um, it's one of those questions, I guess. I know erotica, you know, it's like porn. I know erotica when I see it. <laughs> but I can't always say that that uh, an erotic romance shouldn't be in both categories sometimes yeah that makes sense sure yeah yeah where do you see romance going uh moving forward you think it'll change much i mean everything everything evolves yeah i'm not really sure the last couple years i want to say we've we've gone through some changes um duet narration became very popular Mm -hmm. um and but it's very expensive uh to produce which we know that I think some engineers have gotten more creative in doing it from a distance, which is great. Um, But then there's some listeners that are very much duet is not their style. Uh, Multicast has come in. That's also uh, some, it does, doesn't always have a wide appeal. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. It's a great way for an author to get a, a stable of narrators in there and, and everyone will find one narrator or two that they love. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really sure. Uh, There's been questions about adding sounds into romance. I think that's a hard no. Um, (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I will say there there was a book that C.D. Reese did, an audio she did a few years ago, and um, she just used a a cello for the the chapter transitions. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was just incredible. It was just it was very interesting, you know, rather than narrative chapter four, you know, it was the cello playing these notes and, and you finally, as you went through the book, you caught on that that was the, the numeric designation for the chapter. Got it. Okay. Um, but she's absolutely brilliant. C.D. Reese is one of the most brilliant romance writers out writers period, but. Yeah. Um, and I, I view uh, music as a transition uh, effect nowhere near as egregious or distracting I should say as sound effects of any kind um yeah and a couple a couple authors this year they integrated um some singing into into especially rock star romances and there's been a couple mm -hmm. cases of that and and I think they were very very successful but again it's hard for me to judge because mainstream romance you know audible's Top 100 is is a very different uh, place than what I listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, opinions are opinions. I I'm one of the people who who definitely comes down on the on the side of no sound effects in audiobooks, um, but I do recognize the fact that five or ten years from now, 
the the way that audiobooks sound could be completely different than what it is now. I, I recognize that things change. And if people start doing things a different way and enough people like it, companies are going to keep doing it that way. And so uh, it's certainly possible that that's going to happen. Um, the whole idea of sound effects in a romance uh, is kind of cringy to me, but, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> we'll see if anything, anything. Well, not that out. kind of sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, it really, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stop there. Um, so but who I, knows? I mean, I mean, another thing to look at is, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, Netflix released Bridgerton and I will say that romance land has gone absolutely bonkers for Bridgerton. So I saw so, that title. I don't know anything about it. I'll, uh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. It's an adaptation of a Regency romance series. Hmm. And uh, I, I, because I haven't really listened to, I've listened to maybe one series in Regency romance. I was kind of surprised by it. Hmm. Um, but romance land absolutely lost their mind over this series. My entire feed for days has been Bridgerton. So who knows? Regency romance may take may uh, make a comeback. I mean, I think contemporary mm -hmm. got very popular due to um, Fifty Shades of Grey. That was mm -hmm. definitely, I would say, the the explosion point for contemporary. Yeah, that'll uh, well, be interesting to you see. Never know. Yeah. Well, so for any narrators out there who are uh, thinking about dipping their toe into the romance genre or who have and want to do better at it uh what what words of wisdom would you have as somebody who listens to you know at least a dozen audiobooks every month and they're all in the romance genre i most importantly i would say embrace the genre embrace the material i mean i think that's true for every actor but but i think in romance even more so because it is so intimate um mm -hmm. and not just the, the sex scenes um, but, you know, you're, it's an intimate relationship. Um, and also, I would say that this is a this is a double edged sword. Uh, I would say get involved on social media. And that's not for purely my benefit. But I think that it can be a very positive thing for both narrator and listener and author to for narrators to have a public presence in some light, whether it's just their pseudonym, whether it's if they don't use a pseudonym, I mean, there's plenty of narrators that don't. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it can be very rewarding for narrators to see just how, uh, that's definitely one thing, part of romance, the romance community that I love is just how involved the fans are. I mean, they, we've done signings, we've had narrators and the fans absolutely are just, it's very intimate, the relationship between a listener and a narrator. You know, you're in our ears hours and hours every day. Yeah. And for some for some people, for some women in romance that listen to romance or read romance, a lot of them I found it's some of their only or the small amount of contact that they have with other human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of introverts in romance, I would say. So it's, it becomes very personal to them as far as you making their world a larger place, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it um, makes a lot of sense, uh, especially this past year, um, you know, with, with people having to, or not having to, but, uh, you know, choosing to, or, or just, you know, staying distant from other people. Uh, it, I think that it's, uh, it's been, uh, great to be, it, it's been rewarding for me, I'll say to feel like I'm in an industry where I can provide some kind of, I don't know, human contact with somebody else that they might not have otherwise. Yeah. I, and I definitely think narrators have that power. And, and um, it's funny, you'll, you'll see narrators that, that suddenly will start interacting with the group, even on a small basis. And one person will be like, oh, I love your narration of this. And, and they will suddenly, everyone will, so many people will start listening to that narrator. And part of it has to do with them just being there, you know, and, mm -hmm. and making their presence known and, and just showing that, that, I mean, I think that's the best thing about our group is it really is a community. It's not just a group. It's very much a, a living, breathing community that everyone can participate in. You know, you can either participate a lot or you can lurk and watch, mm -hmm. but everyone's present in some variety or another. And it's helpful all around. I mean, anything that can can make the industry grow and can 
you know, keep narrators working and keep authors working and keep listeners happy and give them the escape that they need, I think is a beautiful place. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that's great. And I have seen that in uh, oral fixation is um, people are just very welcoming and uh, and like that. I mean, I I mostly lurk. I uh, see what other people are talking about. And I, I post uh, like when I had Lauren Blakely on the podcast. And of course, I'll post this when uh, when this gets published. Um, but I mostly lurk. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll, you know, jump into a conversation. And everybody is really, uh, really uh, welcoming, warm, friendly. Um, like I said, only on very few occasions have I seen any conversations get heated or negative. Uh, so I, I think it's a great group. I think you've done a great job there. And, and that's good because we, we want all the narrators, especially to, you know, the, the authors are primarily have their fan groups. So they're already getting, you know, their, I want, I say egos, that sounds bad, but you know, they're, they're getting <laughs> direct feedback from their fan groups. So sure, yeah. it's nice that the romance narrators can get feedback from their fans as well, because I know a lot of them, when we first started were like, I just narrate in a booth all day and I don't really talk to anybody. And then I come to this group and, and people are talking about the books I do and they're, you know, it's just different because reviews, let's face it, reviews are a shitty mixed bag. Mm-hmm. People can be downright ugly in reviews. And I just, cringe when I read a lot of them. So I, I gotta say on reviews, I am so happy that somebody took the time on one of my first romance audiobooks, which um I, you know, I, I think I did okay. If you look at the the average rating, it's good. I'm I'm happy with the average rating, but there were several reviews that were pretty negative. And I'm so glad that somebody took the time to leave a respectful review that had some negative points in it. I actually used that to to say, you know what, this this totally has merit, and and it uh, I I went and worked with a coach for a while on the specific issue that was involved there, and I think that it helped me a great deal. So I do agree that overall reviews are a shitty mixed bag, but every once in a while you get somebody who's willing to take the time to not just say I hated them, but to say yeah. this didn't work for me. And as somebody who reads reviews, not all narrators do, and I totally respect that. That's right. fine. But I do. And if I see trends or if I see a specific comment, I'll go, is that, does that have merit? Should I, should I work on that? And in this case, it was so helpful to me that somebody actually did that. Yeah. Especially the repeated comments. If you, if you read, you know, 20 reviews and you've got five people saying the same thing, you know, like I said before, I don't like when he, I don't like the falsetto for the mm-hmm. female voices. It's like, right. Okay, that's that that definitely needs a course correction of exactly the same yeah. type of, of criticism. And it's not, you know, I, I know some narrators, this is gonna sound weird. Some narrators work <laughs> with coaches and they don't necessarily want critique from fans, but they're all gonna look at the reviews. That's the funny part. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's not the coaches that are going to be listening to the audios. Right, right, right. So yeah, that that's the way I look at it. And like I said, you know, total respect for people who don't read reviews at all. I I get that. Right. I do, and uh, and I and I understand that there are going to be people who just hate my voice or they hate my delivery, no matter what. Doesn't matter. Right. Totally. You that's totally everyone. There's exactly no way. Not a chance. And so that's totally fine with me. I just look at it as, can I see a trend? Can Is somebody going to mention something very specific that I can look at it and say, oh, wow, you know what? They're right. I did that. I wonder if somebody else would think that. And I can go to a coach or even a peer, but mostly right. a coach and say, um, you know, th- this was a comment that I heard. What, what do you think of that? And just, you know, have a discussion about it. Uh, so in any case, yeah, definitely a mixed bag. Um, but uh, but I think that's uh, that's great advice to narrators who want to get into romance. Uh, you know, be open to the material. Yeah. And be authentic. Bring your authentic voice to the game. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, Lydia, this has been fantastic. Where uh, where can people find the Oral Fixation Facebook group? Uh, we're on oral fix, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash oral fixation audio. Um, you probably can't miss us. We're creeping up on 11,000 members right now. So. I thought it was over 10. Yeah, almost eleven thousand. That's great. To be honest, with you, we when we fit the hit the first one hundred, I thought 
this is great. A <laughs> hundred people want to talk to us. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. I assume it's a fairly high traffic group. Yeah. That's why we, <laughs> that's why honestly we split off the giveaways because it was, it was too much traffic. And, and then uh, with the quarantine, we actually split off to, it's a much smaller group. It's called the oral fixation quarantine quirks. And it was kind of like, everybody's kind of picked up a random hobby or something. They just started doing that they haven't done in years. So, you know, we try and keep the main group. The focus is, you know, new releases, recommendations, uh, you know, fun stuff and all that. But the other two groups are, you know, purely giveaways. And then the other one's purely, you know, what are you doing that you didn't do a year mm-hmm. ago because you've been forced to be with your family for all this time? <laughs> right, right, which has changed a lot of dynamics. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's plus, polite. Also, most of us were like, and and uh, at the same time, while you're doing these hobbies, you're listening to a romance audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I assume that if people want to contact you, they can find you there. Yes, and we're also on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. Oh, that's great. What's the uh, what's the Twitter handle? Uh, oral fixation fb okay and same for instagram that's great i didn't realize you were on instagram as well i i yeah i I have to admit i'm not a big poster on that because facebook is so interactive and uh you know plus working full time it's like okay you know mostly i post our lives every every just also for any narrators that are interested every sunday we have um what we call oral fixation live and uh we have different authors and narrators usually i alternate so one week's an author, the next week will be narrator. And I think we're we're probably creeping upon 200 lives now that we've done. Oh, wow. Um, for narrators to come, narrators and authors to come chat with uh, the listeners, talk about what they've got coming up. You know, usually narrators get a lot of questions of how did you get into voiceover and mm-hmm. um, just kind of a way for, for listeners to connect with uh, the content creators. That's great. That's great. I didn't realize you had done that many. I know that I've seen a couple of the announcements. It's a but, lot. Um, yeah, that's quite a few. Yeah, I, I think it's probably easily 200 now. Cool, cool. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for coming in. I hope that the uh, the coffee eggnog was good. It was. It's gone. That's good. <laughs> My spiced rum is gone as well. So, <laughs> this, uh, this went just right then. Perfect. All right. Thanks a lot, Lydia. Thank you, Rich. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Lydia Rella for stopping by for a drink. I loved hearing about the Oral Fixation Facebook group and her thoughts on what makes a romance audiobook great, and I hope you did too. Don't forget to check out David Stever's Raven Rain, book three in the Johnny De La Rosa thriller series, with great narration by Bill Lord. Many thanks to Bill for his support of the audiobook speakeasy. As always, you can find the audiobook speakeasy on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all the usual apps. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook Speakeasy. If you're enjoying our Speakeasy chats, please take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated, as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! (laughs) 